Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into Ad Astra in today's review episode. I can show you the world. Just take a look through my eyes. We seem to be getting a lot of uh, duplicates this year, and when I say that, what I mean is that there have been a couple of films, especially in the last few weeks, that really feel very analogous to something that came out last year around the same time. Uh, so first, I would say Abominable is a animated Yeti movie, uh, you know, that feels very similar to Smallfoot. Not, you know, having seen both of the movies, I think yeah, a lot of the content is very, very different. One is a musical, one is, you know, one has lots of Yetis, one doesn't. And, you know, the the elements within the movies are, are themselves very strikingly dissimilar. But Smallfoot, Abominable, and you tack on Missing Link, you know, you've got all these... Yeti, Sasquatch-type movies that have come out in the last, you know, 365 days. So that that was kind of... That one's very easy. And, and then you, the other one that I think is very easy is... Uh, you've got Rambo, Last Blood, which is, you know, revitalizing an old franchise that's been dormant for a while. And last year, you had The Predator, Again, revitalizing an old franchise that have been dormant for a while. So today we're talking about Ad Astra. Ad Astra is kind of like First Man. Uh, You know, it is a heady sort of space film that is very atmospheric. And, you know, just replace Ryan Gosling with Brad Pitt. And, you know, you're halfway there. I'm obviously, you know, obviously I'm selling Ad Astra short. and, And I'm probably selling First Man short. But it's it's kind of interesting. It's kind of eerie the way these things sort of seem to line line up. Just you know, even even at their basic level, First Man and Ad Astra are quite different films. And yet, in my head, I can't help but you know think of them as in the same way. I can't help but connect them in their. vibe in their in their aura and that's kind of frustrating i think especially for someone who watches so many movies as i do like i want them all to feel fresh and new and distinct and different and more and more often you know on top of the fact that we have sequels and reboots and remakes and franchises running rampant over the box office uh, you know, we get something that is relatively original, relatively new, and it just it just feels like this other movie. Even when it isn't the same thing, it just feels like this other movie. And uh, I don't know, it's just a, it's a weird phenomenon for for such a thing to happen. You know, you go back to the, what was it, like Armageddon Apollo 13, or, or like Armageddon... Deep Impact, Armageddon, and Deep Impact. Yeah, got that right. Uh, you know, like those things like that. You know, where the same movie comes out twice in the same year. Even it's it's 
been happening for a while, and it's very, very curious. So uh, today we're going to talk about Ad Astra, which is a new movie. came out um, what, two weekends ago now, directed by James Gray, starring, as I mentioned, Brad Pitt, as well as Tommy Lee Jones, Ruth Negga, Donald Sutherland, Kimberly Elise, among others. Uh, James Gray, if you aren't familiar with the name, is the director of The Lost City of Z from a couple of years ago, The Immigrant, Two Lovers, and a couple of other movies. He's worked with Joaquin Phoenix quite a bit, uh, Brad Pitt in, or not, not Brad Pitt, Mark Wahlberg in The Yards, uh, and then all the way back to Little, Little Odessa from 1994. He hasn't really broken out as a, you know, he doesn't make, his movies don't make a ton of money, but at Astra, easily his most successful film to date, uh, making a little bit of money, you know, it's doing about, you know, similar to what First Man did last year, maybe with a little less of the critical reception that at Astra, uh, that First Man got, but doing well, he's working it out, um, I like The Lost City of Z, you know, most of his movies are kind of slower films that, uh, I don't know, they, they they really get inside of characters, inside of characters. And I really enjoyed the way Lost City presented uh, its story. Two Lovers, which I mentioned fairly recently uh, on one of the top 10 uh, monthly movies episodes, uh, is really good. I really enjoyed Two Lovers. And so... I was tepidly anticipating Ad Astra. The reason it was kind of tepid is because the production design, the production for Ad Astra has been very complicated. You know, this is a movie that was supposed to come out multiple times prior to when it actually did. And it kept getting pushed back. It kept getting pushed back. And that's never a good sign. Sure, there are examples uh, where that, you know, didn't matter. But... Often, if your movie keeps getting pushed back, it's probably not that good. But reviews for Ad Astra are fairly positive. It has a 7.1 on IMDb currently with 44,000 ratings. It has an 83% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. It has a 3.7 average rating on Letterboxd. Uh, you know, this is nothing to scoff at. So, again, I was kind of... Um, Slightly in invested, slightly interested, I, I, you know, hesitantly interested. The movie is about two hours long, and the basic premise is that Brad Pitt is an astronaut whose father, Tommy Lee Jones, uh, went on a mission many years ago and was lost. They could not get in touch with him and was reported dead find out early in the film that this may not be the case and that he may still be out there and still be alive for you know I think 17 years now uh, out by Neptune Neptune I want to say uh, and now the problem is that either because of Tommy Lee Jones or in spite of Tommy Lee Jones or uh, connected to Tommy Lee Jones, there are these flares, these flares that keep happening, and they keep 
destroying the infrastructure on Earth. And so it's become very, very difficult to survive. And so the original, the initial plan, and at least how it's presented in the film, they call up Brad Pitt. They're going to take him out to Mars. At, on Mars, they have an underground system set up where they can send a message out to Tommy Lee Jones. And being his son, Brad Pitt can hopefully convince him to either stop doing the thing that's causing these outages or, um, you know, get him to fix it if he doesn't realize what's happening. That's kind of the, the very basic premise. And just in, like, explaining that, it was challenging to try to describe what was happening. Which is weird because the film is very minimal. The film is very simple and straightforward from a plot perspective. You know, eventually there is a, a turn where what we thought was true turned out not to be. And on top of that, you know, characters you thought you could trust or thought you couldn't trust suddenly can or can't be trusted. And, you know, that's kind of, I don't know, it's a movie that really gives off the vibe that it will be like that. I don't feel like that's giving away anything because when you watch Ad Astra, I don't know, for me, I just kind of always felt like I was waiting for the other shoe to drop and sometimes it did and sometimes it didn't. Um, but more than that, the film really is all about Brad Pitt. You know, any false uh, deceptions that this is more, this is about humanity, I think, are a little outlandish because it really, it's just about Brad Pitt. It's about him and his emotions, which at the start of the film, he doesn't really have any. Again, another kind of parallel to First Man. Um, in First Man, Ryan Gosling as, um, oh, what's his name? Oh, why can't I think of his name? I can think of Buzz Aldrin. Why can't I think of Neil Armstrong? <laughs> Neil Armstrong is a very reserved, quiet, uh, tempered person, even tempered person. And you kind of have to be, to be traveling in space. Your body experiences so much, you go through so much physically, mentally, emotionally, that if you aren't naturally even, uh, you can swing wildly out of control uh, by experiencing the G, the forces, force of the Gs applied to you and beyond that. On the other hand... Uh, you know, that may mean that you aren't coming to terms with your feelings so much. And that's kind of what Ad Astra, I mean, I guess that's what First Man and Ad Astra both try to do in First Man, you know, revolving around the, you know, first person to land on the moon. We go through the emotional turmoil that Neil Armstrong experiences and or lack thereof in some cases. And in Ad Astra, while not based on anything real, you have Brad Pitt trying to, it's, it's weird, you know, you have all these characters around him 
who are using him because of his connection to his father. And for him, you know, he's kind of buried all that at the start of the film. He's, you know, pushed it down. He's set it aside. He's not worried about it. He's not thinking about it. And now it's all kind of being brought out again. And so these people who want to use him for this connection that he has also want him to remain stoic and remain competent in you know, being able to perform these tasks while bringing all this stuff up jeopardizes his ability to think clearly and coherently and competently. And I think that side of the movie is interesting and I wish the movie explored that more. And because for me, Ad Astra is all about near misses. There are so many fascinating elements of this movie that on their own could be their own movie. Uh, there's a point where there are space pirates um, when they get to, I think when he gets to the moon, which is a way station between Earth and Mars, he comes to this, you know, he he has this monologue and, and much of the movie features a lot of, you know, uh, voiceover from Pitt where he talks about how colonized like the moon has become and you know he walks off the the spaceship and there's you know it's like a food court it's like a mall it's like you know you haven't even left earth where whereas outside of it there's no borders on the moon it's kind of a state of open warfare which is ridiculous can i, I couldn't even imagine a state of open warfare on earth the way to that extent you know like that's what kind of a life would that be for anyone and yet it's kind of a thing that's mentioned in passing in this movie you know it it just it's dropped in we get maybe two seconds of explanation and experience with this idea and it passes us by similarly there are a lot of characters in this movie played by you know, big names who have very small screen amounts of screen time. Ruth Nega is barely in this movie uh, as the third build character. Donald Sutherland maybe gets the most, the meatiest character part outside of Pitt and Tommy Lee Jones, and he doesn't spend very long in this movie. Uh, you have John Ortiz, Liv Tyler, uh, Lisa Gay Hamilton, and uh, Natasha Leone, all in this movie doing very little Natasha Leone you know she's got one scene one scene in this movie and I think this really just speaks to not knowing what you had and the fact that this movie has been delayed for so long that I you know who knows like how much of the of the these characters parts were edited out who knows you know how big of roles they were supposed to have uh where Ultimately, it doesn't have that. Ultimately, it's just Brad Pitt. Um, You know, we don't even see Tommy Lee Jones until, you know, two-thirds of the way into the movie, at least. So, like I said, I think there's a lot of near misses in this movie that, you know, they bring up something that's interesting, something that's, you know, catches my attention. And then we kind of just move past it. We just kind of move on to the next thing. And I've seen movies that do that 
effectively, but this one I don't think did because the thing that we actually cared we're supposed to care about the, the you know the Brad Pitt Tommy Jones dynamic the you know saving the earth and and this inner turmoil for for Pitt's character is it's not very compelling for me the the time where it was the most compelling I mentioned that they wanted him to send a message to his father he does you know this happens a third of the way through maybe maybe half of the way into the movie he sends the message and like that sequence of scenes i really felt the emotion you know watching brad pitt you know he reads off of a you know piece of paper the message that he's supposed to that's being sent and as he reads it you know it's monotonous it's monotone it is emotionless it is dull and yet the words that he's saying are, you know, dad, I want you to, you know, respond. I want you to talk to me, that kind of thing. And he's just like, you know, blank stare kind of a thing. And like that scene builds on itself in a very interesting and compelling way. And I wanted there to be payoff for it. And I think the payoff comes when we get to Tommy Lee Jones. And I did not feel like the movie cared anymore at that point which is weird because like that's all the movie's building up to is this relationship this dynamic and when we finally reach it when we finally get to that point it it just kind of stops short you know and I, I get like the movie's already pretty long but there are so many parts for me that could have been cut out because they don't lead anywhere else there are characters that don't need to exist. There are sequences that f- feel out of place and unnecessary. Uh, not to mention, on top of all that, the logic of this movie. So, I can't talk about all of it because, you know, spoilers, but uh, there are some very, uh, from from my understanding and from watching other more reputable science fiction films as far as uh, adhering to physics uh, there are some pretty terrible sequences from a physics perspective in this movie Um, one of them involves a side panel of a spaceship uh, and rocks the other you know you know it just there's so that one is probably the most egregious for me. I think it's very silly. And I was stifling laughter watching that scene. Um, as well as the moment that follows right after that. I thought also had, uh, had some problems. But... And... and <laughs> You know, outside of you know the the physics element outside in space, there's a moment where Brad Pitt has to board a spaceship um, in kind of a hurry, and the way he gets to it, um, you know, he gets one of the other characters helps him get to the spaceship, and due to the circumstances of this happening, the fact that no one else realizes what's going on sees what's going on there's no checks in place there are no um, sensors or anything like that 
how far he's able to go before anyone knows what's going on is ridiculous. It it just it just strains credulity. And when you're doing a movie, you know, a sci-fi movie like this, where so much of the movie does kind of care about what's really possible and what really can happen. And, you know, when the camera does come outside of into space, the sound cuts out because there's no sound in space. You know, like it, it, it adheres there. It adheres in most places. It gives us, you know, the anti-gravity. It gives us, you know, the G's and, and all this explanation. It gives us all the, all the technical stuff almost all the time. And so for the movie to kind of just ignore that when it's convenient, or not even when it's convenient necessarily, because I think the times where it messes up I, I could have been avoided, uh, it's just frustrating. Frustrating. I saw the movie with my partner. She was, she did not like it at all. I couldn't tell what we were watching, um, you know, in the theater, but we came, we were walking out afterward and I asked her, you know, so what'd you think? She's like, I didn't like it. And I was like, oh, I didn't, I didn't dislike it. I, I think it has some merit. I think it looks great. I think technically it does a lot of good things from the cinematography to the production design. Uh, you know, while the actions may have kind of pulled me out of the film, visually it never did. There's one shot that I, I, I remarked on that I thought was absolutely brilliant. Um, there's a lunar cruiser that they're riding in at one point, and there's a shot of the cruiser going over a crater and the cruiser is spinning around uh you know as it enters as it shifts as it goes from light into darkness and the camera is pulled way back and it just it looks amazing it looks it's very breathtaking i thought it was just a gorgeous shot and and one of my favorite shots of the year maybe uh it really struck me how you know um, impressionable that that moment was and the film is kind of filled with moments like that it's got a lot of fascinating you know angles and and images that it can feed you it just for me i just wasn't connected to the emotions that i think they want you to connect with and I, 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 based on some of the reactions I've seen, I, I'm very much in the minority on that. You know, I think it, it really does struggle to be at, even as, as emotionally involved as First Man was. And I, I wasn't the biggest fan of First Man, but I like it more than this. And I think... You know, outside of Brad Pitt, you know, he gives a great performance. And I, I thought Tommy Lee Jones did well. Uh, he doesn't get the most to do, but what he is given, he does a really good job with. And everyone else is just there, really. Everyone else is just there. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't. No, um, 
it's I've seen seen lots of space movies, uh, both real ones and fiction, both fiction and nonfiction. And it's again, it's not that this is a bad movie to me. It just is a lackluster one. And for some people, I'm sure that's a more egregious issue. But um, yeah, it's just it's a movie filled with nuance, filled with melancholy filled with silence and it didn't it did not work for me it didn't that's all um it's it's unfortunate you know i think there's a lot of buzz about ad astra i think i mean you know i'm i like james gray generally speaking you know i'm probably going to give this a rating in the 50s you know it's not bad it's not good it's got its highlights and its lowlights uh just it missed the mark with me i suppose is the most simplest way to put it and i don't know you know when you got your two hour contemplative science fiction space travel movie if you don't connect uh that's not a great experience you know, if you if you can't get into two thousand and one, a space odyssey, if if you can't see any merit in uh, you know the emotional components of that movie, you're not you're not gonna you're not gonna enjoy it. You're gonna be pretty bored. And I wasn't bored so much. I just I just wasn't invested. I guess. Uh, so, Ad Astra, kind of somewhat of a disappointment for me um as a movie which is a shame uh so it's kind of it though i mean that's it for ad astra uh not going to go into spoilers i think that it's you know it's a movie better seen without knowing much about it for you know what little surprise and thrills you can get out of it um that said uh i you know i apologize no episode on monday uh, schedule kind of got a little crazy uh, faster than I expected it to. Schedule is still kind of crazy, uh, but I'm able to get this one out. I should be able to get an episode out for Friday as well. That would be the top ten um, top ten movies that I saw in September, and then we'll go from there. I'm pretty far behind uh, in, in putting movies into my spreadsheet, so I got to pick that up and uh, you know stop stop futzing around. But I'm working on it. We're getting there. A lot of stuff to do and not as much time as I wish I had to do it. But that being said, uh, that's going to be it for today's episode. I want to thank you for listening, as always. Uh, it does mean a lot. If you'd like to get in touch with me, email circleoffilm at gmail.com. Find me on Twitter at circleoffilm, at circleoffilm or letterboxd at circleoffilm. You can uh, find the show. All the episodes are on iTunes, Stitcher, uh, some other, most other places where podcasts can be found. You can also go to the website, circlefilm.com, for the episodes and other stuff beyond that. And if you'd like to support the show, uh, like it, rate it, review it, subscribe to it, uh, tell somebody about it, or just listen. Like That's, that's the key. That's the, that's the big one. Uh, but if you feel so inclined, you can support the show through Patreon at Patreon patreon.com slash circle of film for as little as eight cents an episode uh, and that will give you access to everything 
I mean, you already have access to everything, but that will give you access to everything early when it is released early. And uh, you can see there's other, other rewards that are uh, possible. Thank you for listening. And as always, have a week. So long, farewell, I'll be the same goodnight. I know she'll never leave me, even as she fades from view. So long, farewell, I'll be the same adieu. Nothing's really left or lost without a trace. Nothing's gone forever, only out of place. So long, farewell, oh, what I'll be to say. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute.